Welcome back to another episode of Hot Boy Film Club, where every week we watch and discuss a different movie. I am your host this week, Joe, and joining me as always are two of my favorite people, CJ and Craig. What's up, guys? Hey, what up, man? So, uh, we are... Wow, someone still didn't turn off the dishwasher. (laughs) (laughs) We were right there. I thought you did it. I thought you were going to do it. Oh, my word. Good thing we're Uh, just starting. This is a real slash TikTok in the making. Um, Oh, man, I love it. We're going to go ahead and save that. (laughs) I love you. All right. So, uh, yeah, Oscars are coming up, obviously. Uh, Noms have been out uh, for a little bit now. We watched one of the the animation Noms already, Pinocchio, Del Toro's, uh, last week, courtesy of Craig. Um. And we're gonna we're gonna kind of focus on a, a couple a couple Oscar picks here leading leading up to to the big award ceremony uh, this year. It is uh, March twelfth uh, for those of you keeping track. You know, uh, the Oscars are uh, some people hate them. Some people think they're just a big popularity contest. CJ, CJ, I know uh, you and I have had a lot of discussions in the past about. Uh, credibility of the oscars and sort of the mm-hmm. politics of mm-hmm. who gets nommed and who you know how they'll distribute awards just to kind of placate some folk and it's just it's it's a it's an interesting interesting award ceremony um obviously last year had a decent amount of drama um with the the slap heard around the world Oof. <laughs> Oof. the slap heard around the world I mean that's accurate. It's <laughs> yeah. very accurate. Um, but you know, regardless of how you feel about the Oscars, they they are a a major uh, institution in terms of cinema, at least uh, here in America. Um, and as a film podcast, we I feel like have a little bit of responsibility to cover that, uh, regardless. And so we're gonna do our best. Um, I know it can be kind of difficult, uh, kind of leading up to the Oscars. You've got movies that came out all last year. They came up right, like some recently in theaters, you know, a couple of months ago and it, it can be hard to find them to watch sometimes. So we'll do our best to try to stick to ones that are on, you know, video on demand, renting, streaming, whatever. Um, but you know, that being said, this, uh, this leak, uh, it was my turn to pick, obviously I'm hosting, and I went with Triangle of Sadness. It is currently up for Best Picture, Best Director, and Best Original Screenplay. It came out, obviously, last year. It's a multinational production directed by, I uh, will probably butcher this name, I do not know Swedish, uh, Ruben Ostlund. It's his first English-language feature, clocking in at about 147 minutes. Film stars Harris Dickinson, Charlotte, Char- oh my goodness, Charlby Dean, Dolly DeLone, wow, I'm sorry, everybody. <laughs> Starring Harris Dickinson, Charlby Dean, Dolly DeLeon, and several others, including the great Woody Harrelson as the captain. Uh, honestly, kind of why I ended up picking this movie, um, well, despite uh, some dibs 
that my fellow co-hosts here had on films uh, that I would have picked otherwise. Uh, we will not open that can of worms again. Uh, <laughs> I had a couple people recommend this movie, um, and I ultimately ended up picking it because I just fucking love Woody Harrelson. Everything he's in is great. I think he's a great actor, a great person. Um, hopefully he does nothing shitty that makes me regret saying that uh, on, <laughs> on record. The film is a satirical dark comedy that follows two models, um, a couple, and their time spent with the ultra-wealthy on a luxury cruise that goes horribly wrong. The film premiered at Cannes when, uh, where it won the Palme d'Or, the festival's highest prize. Sorry, I don't speak French. Uh, horrible pronunciation. Um, this was actually the second film of Ostlin's to win. His film, The Square, won uh, in 2017 as well. I've not seen any of his other work, uh, just for what it is worth. This was uh, kind of fresh for me. One kind of bummer uh, note, this film was uh, Charlby Dean's last movie. Uh, she died about three months after its, uh, its screening uh, at Cannes and mm. uh, before it even released internationally. Uh, she died of sepsis, apparently, uh, which is really unfortunate. She was only 32. Her performance here got a decent amount of critical praise and, you know, folks were saying it could be her big breakout role and whatnot, but... Um, you know, unfortunately, that is uh, not in the cards. Um, it's the actress that played Yaya, right? Yeah, Yaya. Yeah. Damn. Which I thought she was great. Um, yeah, I uh, both hated and enjoyed her character. Yeah, it. She she, she did, did a great job. job walking that yeah. line. Yeah. Um, Damn, that's unfortunate. Rest in peace, man. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I in general, I I enjoyed this film. I will also, I, I guess, let me roll back just a little bit. My notes this, this week are, like, this is not going to be my my most cohesive episode. This week was long as fuck, you guys, and I did not <laughs> do my regular um, uh, write-ups and stuff that I typically do. So bear with me, and uh, CJ, Craig, just have a lot of good discussion ready to keep this episode flowing. <laughs> oh, I'm ready. Oh, I, I got it. thoroughly I'm, enjoyed I'm... this film much more than I thought I was going to. Fair enough. Yeah, I. So yeah, I um. I am the opposite again, of both of you. So. Ooh, I'm not surprised. I kind of had a feeling. I didn't have a ton of context for this movie, um, besides the couple recommendations that I received. So I went in super blind. Again, I had no context for this director or anything like that, and none of the actors outside of Woody Harrelson I'm familiar with. So I didn't really know what to expect, um, but I did end up enjoying it overall. I thought it was pretty funny. I'm a big fan of, like, I guess, absurdist comedy. Like, situations that are just totally ridiculous uh, always get me. I don't, I don't really like a ton of comedy in general um but like things like that work like like random things uh like when he's in the when um carl is in the hotel room after him and yaya have that huge fight there's like a thousand light switches on the wall and he's just trying to turn this one lamp off in the corner and it's just like none of them do it like shit like that is just always hilarious to me. Um, same like in the beginning when he's uh, auditioning for for whatever the modeling role is, and they're like having him do a different walk and stuff, and it's like the same exact fucking walk. Like things like that are hilarious, and this this movie is chock full of stuff like that. 
I will say I I do not do well with like vomit on screen or in real life. Um, so <laughs> the captain's dinner was rough for me. <laughs> Bro, um, the captain's dinner. <laughs> oh, yeah. But it's uh, I overall I thought this movie was great. I, I you know I I don't know that I'd watch it again necessarily. But I, I think some of the commentary is is good. It's fun. Um, it it's kind of not necessarily cashing in on sort of the the white lotus vibes of like mm, yeah. you know these these rich people and and how absurd their lives are and like out of touch with reality. Uh, all these people are and stuff. Um, it's it's interesting. It's entertaining. We can dive into some more, uh, I guess, specifics. Uh, the the best way I think I I've come up with to maybe discuss this episode is go part by part. The film is broken up into three parts: part one, Carl and Yaya; part two, the yacht; and part three, the island. Um, so we'll we'll kind of go that way. Um, I know normally I'd break it up into I'd let y'all speak and give me your general thoughts, but. Let's let's start with part one, Carl and Yaya. Let's let's hear what y'all y'all thought about that section. Uh, part one, uh, Carl and Yaya. Man, I don't think I've ever wanted to punch a girl in the neck so badly. Oh my god! Oh, I knew you were gonna say that. Yeah, um, I I know that women. is. Know. It's not that I hate women. Her you, you hate attitude women. at the beginning of this film was absolutely uncalled for. Now. What I will say is toward the end of this part, where she explains why she acted the way that she did, made total sense. I got it. I understood it at that point, but the way she went about that was just like, and then uh, it just it just seemed like a giant gaslighting situation, and I felt so bad for Carl because I was like, <laughs> dude, he just wants to be equals in this relationship, and she's looking to be this this trophy wife, and it's like I feel like something like that needs to be talked about. As far as relationships, I'm not saying it's bad to be a trophy wife. Like, if that's your goal and, hey, you find a guy that's willing to do that for you out there, great for you. Good for you. But as someone, uh, I I would always look for equality. So I absolutely understood where Carl was coming from and feeling hurt in that whole situation. And then her just, like, laughing and not understanding where he was coming from and like not like just I'm, I'm sorry like those moments where you're getting really upset about something and you you feel to yourself it's not a big deal but then the other person laughs and like trivializes <laughs> your and just like absolutely invalidates you in that point where they're just not taking you seriously like just are you serious right it's like bro i would lose my shit like that was just uh i hated her immediately but i was like okay toward the end of that part i got it still hated her but i, I didn't feel anyone as violent uh, as I started that scene out with, but that was pretty much my takeaway there, which, uh, but CJ, go ahead. Um, yeah. So part, part one for me is, uh, obviously as, as the actor of the group, like the whole casting process thing was, cause I first I'm with you, Joe. I didn't know anything about this, uh, film at all i just knew woody harrelson was in it and i was like this is probably what's going to do it for me so let's just go in and and enjoy this so when i got into the beginning of the film thinking like oh this is this is a movie about modeling that's cool <laughs> the film just progressively just goes in the different areas the process of 
just casting in general just fucking sucks, man. And I love that they displayed, you know, you even said that was like the funny part for you. Um, that is actually how it is. Like, when I'm doing auditions or anything that to that nature, it's like, hey, I need you to do this, but then I need your like one eyelash to go into this direction at this moment. And you're like, fuck. Okay. <laughs> you're like you're just like I hope I hope I did it. And I I I love that they they really put like I want to say kind of, in a, in a in a in a way a middle finger to like that casting process mm-hmm. of that. So I did enjoy that part. Um I'm with Craig like on the the dinner scene. I'm and I don't hate women or robot women as much as Craig does. But <laughs> You know what? The... I'm really going to choose a film at some point in the future <laughs> that is just a full cast of women. Actually, I have the perfect film in mind. I will bring that up later. So, <laughs> the pro- like the overall like I I I don't know um if you two have uh well, obviously Craig you haven't, but and I don't mean that in a disrespectful way, but like Joe, I don't know if you've been on a date with a girl and it it hasn't been determined who's paying. Mm. And you get into that moment where it's like, uh, it, of course, like, men, like men are kind of conditioned, and I say kind of, uh, conditioned, like, yo, you, you need to at least, if it's a first date, you pay, you know, you keep it moving, but you, you don't know that they're dating until later on, so you're kind of watching it, like, yo, this is about to get awkward as hell, because, <laughs> you know, I, I he's looking at the bill, like, hey, <laughs> like, and... Just go ahead, Craig. Sorry, CJ. I want to. I want to hear. Sorry, I, I just want to clarify something because you stated that I don't understand that awkwardness. Um, two guys on a date having to figure out who's going to pay for the bill kind of sets up a lot. Okay. Uh, and, and I mean, here's the thing: I can understand the awkwardness that you're talking about, and I definitely felt it in that scene. But to all my gays out there, we know how weird it gets uh, on a date. And, like, you're looking at each other like, all right, who's going to take this? Are we? It, it's the same thing. I want to tell you that right now. It doesn't okay. matter. So, my, my bad. I, I, was, no, I was thinking Not that I'm that offended. I'm just saying it's the same feeling. Yeah. Okay. Then, cool. Then you know exactly what the fuck we're talking about then. Absolutely. Um, That's why I was able to get so upset at her for Craig's not... Craig's never paid for a date. He, he, oh, yeah. Craig, I have Craig, paid Craig for several paid. dates. No, what? Craig's the yaya. Wow. I'm a yaya. Okay. Okay. Sure. Anyway, go ahead, CJ. No, 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 you're good. There you go. I'm, I'm glad. I'm glad we clarified that because you know, obviously, I'm, I'm not trying to offend anybody. But now that we know that, it, we're good. So, where I take the the issue with it is like the only reason he's not paying is because they had a conversation ahead of time where she said, "Don't worry, babe, I got dinner." Now we get to dinner. And shit's all weird and looking weird. So he's just like, all right, cool. Like, I'm just going to pay. But he's like, we're going to have a conversation about it. And he keeps pushing and pushing. And then she gets upset. And then she does the ultimate, ultimate move. She puts down a card she knows is not going to work. Oh, yeah. She puts she, down yeah, a card totally. she knows is not going to work. And then pretends like she's getting secondhand embarrassment and being embarrassed to where he's like, oh, shit, like, fuck it. Like, we're, we're, we're going to pay. Like, I'm going to pay for it. Like, I, I didn't mean to make you feel that way. Blah, blah, blah. And then completely flips the whole narrative and makes him look like the bad guy. It is mm, mm, prime real estate. Like, you're just just, just wonderfully done. Uh, that, that part was really, really well written. I, I really thoroughly enjoyed that. 
I'm also with you, Joe. Um, when he was doing the light switch thing, I was cracking the fuck up. <laughs> just like, like also part of it is like still trying to figure out what this movie's about. You know, mm-hmm. I'm still trying mm-hmm. to figure out like, okay, what are we doing here? What do we got going on? Um, what's this movie about? So, I, <laughs> I'm like cracking up, and I've been there. I've been in a hotel where I'm like, I don't know how to cut these lights off and I'm about to lose my fucking shit. <laughs> Hitting every switch that you can find. And I'm, like, like, I'm about to yo, set up an alarm or stuff something. Stuff is about yeah. to get unplugged. But, um, as a reference back to, the, even just like the awkwardness of, um, the, the, the Uber or the taxi ride. And the guy that's driving them makes the comment like, yo, you got to fight or else you'll become her slave, which is, I would think, really good advice for anybody. It's more, it's not even just about like, you ain't, you gotta, and I'm not saying you gotta put up a fight 24 seven, but it is one of those, like you need to stand up for yourself to let whoever you're with acknowledge and know that like, you're not going to be pushed over. You're not just going to do everything they say. You're not going to follow everything they say, which I thought was very, um, a very good point. And I think that everyone, no matter what, you know, what type of relationship you're in, can, um, can take good advice from that. So I thought that was pretty dope. Uh, what else did I, where are my notes here? Uh, yeah, my down arrow was men paying for dates. I, I thought that was <laughs> and, and her line talking about money isn't sexy. Um, anyone t- wants to talk to me about giving me $50 million, my dick is getting hard. So I don't know what she's talking about <laughs> at all. At fucking all. So, um, didn't agree with that at all. And Just $50 I also, million? Oh, okay. I, I'm, I'm talking about like right now. I mean, like obviously like. Like, I'm not going to be super greedy. Like, obviously, billions of dollars will get me hard, too. But, I'm, come on now. You you said, like, 50 million's like, like, not enough for someone in our position. Like, what the fuck is wrong with you? Like, no, that's a lot of fucking money. Shit. Um, my also other question for uh, part one, and I guess it's more to maybe both of y'all. Uh, what's it like to be skinny? <laughs> I'm not skinny. Bro. Well, I've never been that skinny. I will. <laughs> say I've that. never been. Um, I've never been skinny. I've always been like either super buff or out of shape. There is no if and but. <laughs> so, and Craig, you definitely have been skinny before. Like I have a picture of you from Father's Day, me pretending to be your dad of you super skinny. So I don't want to hear that. My memories from those days are pretty much just being cold very often hmm. like i did like how my clothes fit i'm not gonna lie everything i had was baggy at that time it was like during covid era so like i wasn't shopping a lot so everything i Man, had mine was, was like, like early mid college i was like mm, it was prime prime <laughs> prime joe time <laughs> joe you're skinny um, now what are you talking well about? yeah <laughs> i mean i'm not that skinny dude i was Anyway, we are getting started. Okay. <laughs> so I, I do think it's funny. I actually, I on that topic, um, so part one is very much about um, gender roles uh, in society, in relationships, what have you. Um, Craig, you mentioned how Carl specifically, he, he wants to be equal. He doesn't want them to fall into traditional gender roles. 
which is why you know the kind of like what you were saying cj the obligation of men being conditioned to pay for for dinner is is a problem but going back to uh how it feels to be skinny i guess i did think it was funny you know carl is peak male model for what what he's doing um but he still makes less than the women and i think that is a funny um I guess commentary about like you can still have these disparities in uh, the the social relation of of genders and everywhere else though like a woman is going to make less than a man except in this ooh hi wawa <laughs> um sorry was uh uh, every other industry is going to, you know. Yes, yes, yes. More. Thank you. Um, so typically, you know, women make less than men, but here's one one scenario where, you know, they're they're doing more uh, or making more. Um, and I think it's funny, CJ, you talk about us being skinny and whatnot. And I think it's funny. We could all be super skinny, jacked, ripped, whatever. And if we were in this situation, we'd still be like <laughs> fucking yeah. making nothing. Yep. Um Someone discovered her voice. <laughs> um, that's just not me for a change. <sighs> Sorry about the guys. All good, man. Uh, I guess the point I'm just getting at is that the patriarchy hurts everyone, including men. Um, so, part two, uh, the yacht. This is obviously when things really fucking get out of hand and hit the fan. Part one, like I said, is very much about gender relations and whatnot and i think part two is clearly more about economics and the social divide including the clear gap between minorities and mostly fucking white people <laughs> and <laughs> well no black people on that damn boat <laughs> yeah i mean literally all of the people of color are below deck doing like service jobs cleaning mm-hmm. scrubbing the floors after the whole fucking puke debacle of the captain's uh dinner you know who gets called up to clean it all it's all fucking predominantly women and people of color uh putting on their headphones blasting their music and getting it done because they fucking have to um even the 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 above hand deck crew like you know there there's still the the economic gap there um (laughs) that that lady trying to get the um the one like server woman to like get in the hot tub was hilarious i mean anyone who's ever worked any sort of like customer service retail hospitality like that is the ultimate like rock and hard place of like this person literally was she was told say yes to all the guests no matter what it, it is they're asking um and she knows if she says yes here though and gets in the gets in the water she's getting fired and it's just like how do you how do you handle a situation like that? Um, but even then, you know, most of the above deck people are white folk. You know, they're they're not as their their station in life is not as high as the the guests that they are, are helping. But it, I don't know. There's just a lot of commentary, and it's very obvious. I mean, that's the whole fucking movie here uh, about that disparity. And uh, I'm gonna stop rambling for a second and let you guys tell me how you felt about part two. <laughs> so. To follow your point just now of, like, uh, all of the above deck people being all white and everything and then uh, people of color coming out and doing, like, you know, the, I want to say shittier part of the job. What I want to point out, though, is this, to me, almost not to say that the people of color on the ship were 
the lower class. But if we're looking at this luxury yacht as like the class system, right? You've got the mm-hmm. high class, top tier, whatever, making all their money and making ridiculous demands, doing ridiculous shit on this ship and just being upset about dumb little things like a person who took their clothes off to just sun themselves off for a moment right and then making demands of what we what i would call the middle class which was all of the white people that were allowed to be on deck mm-hmm. taking orders and whatnot and then what i thought was very funny is you had it showed a few times where you had all of the cleaners and everything kind of just hanging out on their lower floor just listening to music reading through magazines like like they're relaxing throughout the day um and to me that really pointed out how difficult shit is like for the middle class like for the upper class and lower class it almost just seems like there's not a lot of strain it it feels like the middle class is always getting so much pressure right because like they've got to maintain the lower class and make sure that they're doing their jobs while also doing what they have to do to yes ma'am no ma'am like yes ma'am yes sir these upper class people uh and so that just felt really interesting but you could see uh and i believe the server's name was alicia uh, was just like straining to find a way to avoid <laughs> doing this. She's like, uh, like, like she, but she knows she can't say no. Like she can't say no. She's not allowed to say no. Uh, and even so, yeah, getting into that water was gonna put her in trouble. Had she been spotted, had anybody complained or anything, and it was wild. But I also laughed really hard when uh, I believe the woman's name was Vera uh, chimes back and she's like, "Don't worry about it. Like my husband is gonna buy." the yacht like it's fine we're basically your bosses and i'm telling you what to do it's not a big deal like you're you're gonna be fine and i'm just like only you who have that kind of money to to do something like that can make that kind of claim where i'm sitting here asked out possibly still gonna get fired regardless i'm like it's not gonna matter to you because you have the money to fucking buy the boat like why does it matter why does my job matter to you (laughs) and yet i'm supposed to trust that i'm gonna be okay bruh that scene was wild but uh regardless part two uh started off really funny for me where yes you do have all these upper class folks who are just uh wanting to be important wanting to be noticed uh and are very much just like oh look at me i've got all this money um and basically like flaunting it around each other in ways that like no one really cares like bro you're all rich no one gives a damn and like the crew here is just trying to like please you so that they can get paid and a good tip at the end of this so like they don't care and the uh people of color who are cleaning and doing a lot of the unseen uh work are just they don't care they're they're out of the way like they're handling their own shit they're going through their daily lives they're just going through the motions and getting shit done uh coming into the captain's dinner bruh the absolute absurdity of that scene where it was just like why did you still think it was a good idea regardless of when the captain said he wanted to have this dinner to have it on the night where it was going to be just terrible weather boat rocking left and right that was insane um (laughs) and just continued to get more and more ridiculous as it went on and i enjoyed watching them struggle to really maintain composure and like there are people puking all around the room but i have to you know, keep myself up and, and proper for the sake of appearing as this high-class entity. And, like, okay, but, like, you've got Woody Harrelson who's making conversation with, like, one or two people uh, about nothing and, and then gets served a burger and fries, which I just laughed yeah. so hard at. Uh, but that scene just went south so fast. It was difficult to watch because I 
yeah, puking on screen, uh, when things start to also mix with, you know, traveling feces and all of that extra and people are very encoded in it, dude. I was so happy I wasn't eating during that because, <laughs> oh, that would have been tough. Uh, but that did part two, basically taking the class system and like flipping it on its head. Like these people are trying, not even trying, they are the upper class. And to watch them go through that entire situation was just hysterical. And I have to wonder if that was done, um, in a way that's meant to make fun of how absurd the upper class can be in some cases. Cause like the food that they were being served was, was I'm sorry, it all looked gross. I, like, you're not serving me an octopus tentacle on a bed of, like, some weird lettuce or a clear gelatin with, like, a little sprig of something. I'm like, what is this? Mm-hmm. What is this? Like, no, get out of here. Like, this is going to make me entirely sick. But they're just shoveling down champagne and shrimp and all this other stuff and puking it up seconds later. I was like, yeah, this is kind of because y'all are fucking idiots. Like, yeah. uh, and then all the servers just like, you should probably eat something because it helps with emotion sickness. I'm like, that's a terrible idea. <laughs> like, dude, oh, man. Uh, but CJ, go ahead. <sighs> Part two. Uh, the yacht. One of my notes is that the three of us should rent the yacht. You know, why not? Um, seems pretty cool. Enough. I don't know if you guys get uh, seasickness or not or anything, but... Um, I like cruises and stuff like that, but nevertheless, uh, that was a, one of my notes. My other note is uh, <laughs> Carl snitching on was <laughs> that one guy, <laughs> and like Craig, you brought the point. I was like, uh, like, like them thinking that they're like above people, like they're going to go tell like someone's like sunbathing. I was like, no, nah, he didn't do that because he felt he was better than him. He did that because what's her name was like, I'd fuck him if I got the chance, and he just was like, you know, I, I hope he gets like reprimanded or someone yells at him no they sent that nigga home <laughs> yeah, like, oh, he was done God. he was you, done i love that part you... go ahead go ahead Joe. sorry uh i i love that part too when they sent him home he just gets on this little boat and the boat's just driving off into like god knows where the like nearest land looks so fucking far <laughs> yeah <laughs> but yeah, you know it was a big deal like they had to to, to take you all the way to back to where you it came from i thought that was hilarious because he's like that's definitely not what i had planned and now i look like <laughs> the assholes that i'm trying not to be in a sense thought that was funny the other part the i'm gonna say they're having lunch and he's taking photos of her and they, that's where they meet the uh, russian mm. couple and you know they're asking them about themselves and you know he's saying like oh she's an influencer you know basically they just get a bunch of free stuff which is true um and them just kind of looking at them like, that's fucking weird. But then him explaining he got in the fertilizer at the right time, at the right moment. And them looking at him like, that's fucking weird. Like, both of them are like, the contrast of like how you became filthy fucking rich and how basically, I won't mm-hmm. say that they're filthy fucking rich, but them being uh, statusly wealthy enough to be on this yacht they looked at as really weird. I, I thought that was a that was an interesting scene because both of them are two different generations looking at each other like like you're really lucky to be here, <laughs> which is actually true. <laughs> like like he he hopped on fertilizer at the like he said late '80s or early '80s and into the '90s and made like a fortune to where he can buy a two hundred million dollar yacht. That's pretty fucking lucky. Um, yeah, because yeah, like that. 
takes the world going a particular route and different things. We're not going to get into all the science. Like, <laughs> it's very fucking lucky. That's the point I'm making. Um, I like I like the scene, uh, the night scene, where they're, like, making fun of the guy because he's alone, but he's really not, though. <laughs> and he's also, yeah. like, really fucking rich and just, like, a pretty nice person. And, they, like, they clearly just judged him for no reason. <laughs> And it's one of those moments where you just kind of like, like, you know, Craig can contest. We, we used to have friends that literally would just make fun of everybody that walked past and it'd get really fucking old and tiring. And it was just nice to see a, a display of like, no, like now we're the assholes because we look bad for making fun of this guy when he's really just here to have a good time and he wanted to take a picture to send back to this person and things like that. So yeah. really a highlight moment for me and Craig in that moment. Uh, the dinner scene does not bother me as much as other people because of, I, I guess, my uh, part-time line of work. I see worse. Um, mm. People throwing up does not bother me at all. Um, actually, me throwing up bothers me more from a frustration standpoint rather than just, like, throwing up. Like, I get more mad at myself that I'm throwing up than, like, the actual, like, view of throwing up. Like, I, I, I end up, like, cursing myself out after every other, like, heave. It's, it's pretty hilarious. Um I would say you guys should watch that sometime, but I don't want to put that out in the atmosphere. I don't actually like throwing up. So, um, but just seeing, like you guys said, all that food looked disgusting, but like from a fine dining ex like example, like that's the shit that they do though. They had literal oysters with caviar on top of it. It's literally like a sea urchin with fish eggs on top of it. Like this is really stupid. It's a really dumb, like, starter. But they don't care because oysters and caviar are fucking expensive. They are extremely mm -hmm. expensive. And that's what matters. It's like, oh, it's not that this tastes good. It's the fact that it's expensive. Like, we're eating an octopus. Like, who actually sit and thinks, like, I should eat an octopus? People that can afford <laughs> to go out and pay someone to go capture a fucking octopus. Those are the ones. So, and I love that Woody Harrell's, the, the captain's just like, nah, fuck that shit, bro. I'm eating a burger and fries. <laughs> it's like, I'm not. Hey, Y'all got me fucked up. I ain't eating that gelatin. I'm not eating that. I'm not eating any of that. And then everyone getting sick is just pretty hilarious. But also, um, I, I may have missed it um, just just in my, my head. Was the reasoning for all that dumb shit happening because he refused to not do the captain's dinner any other day but Thursday? And she was trying to tell that him not to do it Thursday yeah. because I of that particular reason. There were mm -hmm. a few things that came into play as far as, like, why everybody got sick, right? Uh, so, yeah, the captain's dinner on Thursday, the day that, uh, what's what was her name, Paula, Madam, Ma'am Paula, as, as she comes to be known <laughs> later on, uh, suggested doing it any day besides Thursday. Uh right. Woody Harrelson's character, the captain, still chooses to do it Thursday. on that Thursday regardless. Uh, he was drunk out of his mind and wasn't paying any attention, obviously. But the other thing, too, is because of Vera's request to have all of the crew set up the water slide and get into the water, uh, the chef tells Paula, like, look, I'm sending oh, the crew right. up, but the just know the food go is bad. going to be bad. Yeah. Like, and that just became a problem. Uh, so they pushed back the dinner a half hour. And just to get everything set up, broken down, and make sure everybody was in position where they're supposed to be, I, I think that request kind of just, like, triggered the events that went on through the night. So some of it could genuinely be because they got sick of the 
the rocking boat. But honestly, as someone who doesn't get seasickness, I don't know that eating, I mean, eating certain things in that kind of motion would probably make me sick, but I feel like most things wouldn't have as big an effect. You know what I mean? Uh, So I feel like it was a combination of bad food and the rocking to cause nausea just like had absolute problems. Uh, but that that was my understanding, anyway, of that whole th- scene scenario. No, that's, that's a good point because that, that's definitely something like I remember seeing that didn't like put two and two together. Um, no, I'm, I'm glad you brought that up. Also, like just kind of paying attention to like some of like the really expensive shit that's in like some of the scenes. The scene with the lady that's trying to get the girl in um, the hot tub with her, or like to like basically like say fuck work and getting the bottle she's holding is like a Don Perignon uh, bottle which is a very expensive like champagne mm. and I'm just like fuck dude like mm. like, <laughs> like the like the, the the art direction and like the, the aesthetics of this film is actually done pretty pretty well um, also what am I tripping was that fly a legit fly or was that like something that they added in the beginning when they were like sunbathing? Because that shit was annoying too. the fuck out of me. I actually don't know. Um, I'm. I thought it came up again too. It does. Um, it does. Two scenes. I don't know. I don't know. I feel like it is. It's gotta be intentional. I definitely uh, if it feel comes like up that was again. Yeah. Because you would think like if they were like. No, there's these fucking flies. Like, we need to reshoot this. Like, Mm -hmm. I feel like maybe the style of this guy and the kind of the adding of this film, like, they just left that in because they're like, fuck it. Like, this is hella annoying, but this probably adds to some type of, like, comedic aesthetic to this scene, which to me it didn't. It just really annoyed the fuck out of me and (laughs) was really questioning, like, like, is this, like, like proper film etiquette like you're you're just leaving shit in like that you weren't really supposed to leave in but um i digress um and i like the the how they end um how they end part two with like woody harrelson and the other guy just like spewing like (laughs) socialism communist jokes and different shit over the the speaker and then I guess this is part of this uh, part two is like the Somali pirates just out of nowhere. Like, like, but I guess like if a yacht's just sitting there, yeah, like, like that's, that's something that's going to happen. And of course the, the two hand grenade makers come across their own hand grenade and, Oh my God. (laughs) Is this one of ours? That scene when and the I husband's you, like, wait, what the fuck? <laughs> when I tell like, you, <laughs> I winced, cringed, and like had a full body reaction to that scene. The grenade just comes plopping in, and she turns, picks it up, and it's just like, oh, look, I think it's one of ours. And I'm like, I immediately like grabbed the blanket that I had over me, which is like, why? why like why are you doing this don't please don't like i've already seen how dark this film has gotten in a few places this is about to be terrible uh because it that scene went on a little longer than it should and i think that was definitely intentional because they want you to sit with what's coming you know Mm -hmm. what's coming 
And oh my, <laughs> the full reaction I had to that was just, uh, I had to just look away. I couldn't, I really had to look away. I think I maybe made it like four seconds into that scene before realizing what was possibly about to be on my screen. And I just, I had to turn away. I was like, nah, this is going to be a little too much. Uh, oh, that was tough. That was definitely tough. Poor, poor Clementine. <laughs> Uh, that scene is is funny too. The, there's a lot of moments in part two that highlight how out of touch these wealthy people are. Um, that being, you know, the the last example, I guess, of part two. Um, just being so out of touch that you would pick up what is clearly a live hand grenade. Yeah. Um, that in theory you should know if you manufacture weapons and your best-selling one is the hand grenade but that implies you're so out of touch because you couldn't nothing could possibly go wrong you're on this this beautiful yacht why would a hand grenade be here and then you're so out of touch that you don't even it takes you that long to recognize that your own product is an issue in the scenario you're in um the the dinner scene is obviously the ultimate example of how out of touch these rich people are um like both of you were saying you know they're they're so rich that they they don't care it's all about appearances Mm. and instead of ruining what is you know the ultimate dinner of this cruise the captain's dinner you know and just being like maybe we shouldn't be still trying to to make this happen they just they keep going through it and like it just for the sake of again appearances and keeping up like I'm a rich person. This is what I'm supposed to be doing. Um, even the there's the the one lady. Yep, I was who, just about to bring her up. Yep, she keeps saying that the sails are dirty. Uh, oh my. <laughs> that shit was hilarious. Um, and then she finally gets to Woody Harrelson, and she's like, "the the sails are dirty," and he's just like, "This is a motorized boat, ma'am." <laughs> and. She, and she turns to whoever and like she has them verify that like they saw a dirty sail too and he's just like Jesus fucking Christ like fine we'll have it looked at <laughs> like like just so out of touch that like you you can't even identify that like what you're complaining about isn't a real thing um and it's just it's hilarious the you mentioned CJ the um when when the Russian guy uh, meets Carl and Yaya, he he asks if she's gonna eat the pasta, and they're like, no, she's she's gluten intolerant. It's just for pictures. I thought that was hilarious. There's a lot of funny moments in in part two. Uh, the the Russian guy and Woody Harrelson trying to have like this intellectual back and forth of um of quotes, but neither one of them know quotes. So they're having to like, look it up on their phone, (laughs) (laughs) which again, just shows like how actually like out of touch. Some of these people are, um, I do love that Woody Harrelson eats a cheeseburger, just like actually just a hamburger, Uh, no cheese, I guess. Um, I think that's hilarious. He is definitely someone who does not give a fuck, uh, anymore about like what his station is and everything. Um, I, I love the idea of him being a self-proclaimed shit socialist and he's pitted against a literal shit capitalist. Um, the Russian guy literally sells shit. 
um, and kind of their dynamic and just sort of sort of the the word play off of that I think is is fun. I also do love Woody Harrelson's manifesto at the end when uh, the Russian guy's making him read it. And he's just like, my government, they fucking, they killed MLK, they got JFK. And like, it's just, I thought that was, that was really good. Um, Oh, also that in all of the chaos and everything, there's literally no one at the helm of the ship. Like, things are just like going off the rails and there's a literal shot of the helm and just like no one's there which i think is also an interesting uh comment to make but okay so we 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 have part three um that's kind of when everything sort of culminates you uh i mentioned part one is very much about uh, gender dynamics and part two is very much about uh, wealth and class and part three is kind of how those things are intertwined um, and how based on a situation, all of that can get flipped. So let a little, I guess we'll start with you guys uh, thoughts on part three. CJ, you can go first. Oh, cool. Um, <clears throat> part three is where like kind of like the film kind of lost me. So I guess I should go first. Hmm. Um, part three does what you expected to do. It flips the, uh, the norm on top of its head. The whole time, uh, the leader, I forgot her name, um, but the the, the sole, per, sole female of color ends up becoming the captain. So she How went from know? the bottom of the mm-hmm. ship to the top of the island um, due to what she knows that rich people feel is not necessary tools to need, like fishing and knowing how to start a fucking fire <laughs> like, like it's, it's insane that like i'm assuming this takes place like during this like our like actual time that like you you would think anyone that is living within like the 2022 or whatever would remember small little things of like oh here's how to randomly start a fire if you manage to be out in the woods somewhere and just little shit like that was uh quite interesting and i think i that part of it i liked i liked that like she became hella important and everyone's looking at her like well how come you get more to octopus she's like uh because i did all of this this that and the third um just kind of how like rich people are like well i made a bunch of money between this decade so therefore i deserve to be in front of you i deserve this you i should be able to tell you to go clean sales that don't actually exist because i can own (laughs) you right now that's the mindset and she won because she's like if y'all want food, y'all gonna do whatever the fuck that I want to say, and it's you know, not to dive into a deep like <laughs> American stereotypes like this. Um, that 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 does touch a little close to home. So, um, where this lost me was, it it turned into like this film that's like kind of quirky, kind of funny, and then you're in this weird realm of like, all right. Carl's going to start fucking the captain now because he wants pretzel sticks or wants to pass out pretzel sticks to you know, Yaya or like to everyone and everything. And it's just kind of like, all right, like if you want to smash a captain just for survival, like I understand that. Like you got to do what you got to do, homie. You know what I'm saying? You know, so everybody, you know, everybody got to survive every day. You got to do what you got to do. But it's just kind of like, eh, like, all right. 
like, okay, all right. And then you got the Russian guy whose wife washes up on board, and the first thing he does is like, oh, no, you're dead. I'm going to take this. (laughs) You don't need this anymore. I'm going to keep this. And you're just kind of like, damn, that's fucked up. It's like, it's true, but it's like, like, it's fucked up that that would be, that would actually be his mindset. And like, it's not wrong to say. Like, that's exactly where he's going. He's like, well, you dead, so I can at least give this to the next person if I survive or, like, you know, pawn this when I get back to her, you know, whatever. It's like it wasn't even that he was super, like, like her, her being dead, uh, her being, her being dead, her being dead didn't over overpower his emotion of how he felt about the money that he was going to get from the stuff that still survived from that, which I thought was a little fucked up. But I think that was the point of it being fucked up. Mm-hmm. Uh, um, I, lo- I love the the part with the, the lone black guy. He's like, who are you, man? Who are like, like basically question him, like, are you a pirate? And he's like, well, I'm a pirate. Like, why the fuck would I be sitting here with y'all? Like, you think just cause I'm black that I'm a pirate? And he's like, yeah, <laughs> it's like, obviously. I was um, cracking up so and, hard at that scene. And just like, and of course they, they kept the lady that can't talk cause of the stroke around um and then it gets to the point where it's like all right she's sitting in the little raft some dude comes up trying to sell her stuff doesn't understand what she's saying she can't relay what she's trying to say and talk and everything and then it starts to hit me i'm like hold up how does random ass nigga just walking over here and then i'm like they better not be on some fucking resort island I'm like, they better not be on no fucking resort island. And sure enough, the movie ends with them just so happily being on the opposite side of a resort island. And where I feel like this is fucking lazy writing is because that is definitely an episode from the Golden Girls. That is literally an episode from the Golden Girls. They go out of town for a women's vacation. They meet up with these three guys. They give them shit. And then they decide to go on a boat with them as a forgiveness thing. They crash land on an island. Rose takes over. She's the she's the dumbest person out of all of them. But because everyone thinks she's dumb. But she knows so much about random shit like starting a fire and fishing and how to get regular water. She becomes the captain of the island. And then after that. Um, the two, I think, I think it's Blanche and uh, some uh, one of the other guys. No, it's just the uh, the three men leave and then find out that they're on a better resort island than where they were to begin with. And then the episode ends, and I'm like, bro, that's one of like the top notch, memorable, uh, um, um, Golden Girl episodes is because all the Golden Girls think they're gonna die, so they start confessing shit about like. You know, Blanche getting her nose done and, just, you know, this, that, and the third. So who slept with whose cousin and all this other stuff. So all this stuff comes out. And then it's just like, oh, like, well, I told you all that for nothing. Uh, we're saved. And then that just really fucking pissed me off because I'm like, and maybe, maybe I'm an outlier because y'all know I worship the Golden Girls. I know every episode back to back. I got the Golden Girl cheesecake board game. You know what I'm saying? Like the trivia game and everything. I got. Oh, my God. I got Golden Girl Monopoly. Like. I got Golden Girls sweatshirt, socks. Like, Golden Girls is my shit. So maybe I'm the outlier because that's where my brain went to right as I saw what was coming. And that's where it kind of killed it for me. But if y'all feel like that's a little unfair, I totally understand that. I ain't going to fight y'all. 
because, like I said, I feel like that is an outlier mindset. But the minute they hit the, yo, let's go check out over here. Let's go look over here. Oh, we had a resort. Yo, we saved. I was like, I'm out. Nope. No. So. I always forget how much you love the Golden Girls. <laughs> Every time. You want to know something? You know, go quick, quick, quick side note. Uh, it won't take yeah. long. Um, you guys know I have a dog. I named her Wawa because of the mm-hmm. convenience store Wawa. There's an episode, season two, episode nine, where um, Rose brings home a dog. Dorothy hates it because she hates dogs. And then later on in the episode, she reveals she hates it because she had a dog when she was married and then dog ended up dying and made her really sad and that dog's name was Wawa because that is the only words that her daughter could come up with when it came to naming the dog and I was like hmm I'm like that's not why my dog's named that but I think it's fucking hilarious that now we could say like really funny oh my dog's named after the dog Dorothy had when she was young like (laughs) I digress so (laughs) well done Uh, like, how do you even follow that? <laughs> I don't know, man. How do you, Craig? Let's hear your thoughts. How do you follow that? Uh, part three. Part three was uh, so because of the trailer of this film, I knew that at some point they were gonna end up on an island. Uh, so I think just like getting there made sense. Okay, cool. Um, and I wasn't sure what was going to happen on this island until it all started falling together, right? So you've got all of these upper-class folk uh, who still have all millions to their name uh, stuck here, the ones that survived anyway, and trying to figure it all out. So survival skills are absolutely a necessity. Uh, And then I think the next day is when we have Abigail, who was a toilet manager, uh, I think was her, her title originally, uh, she survives by getting into a, uh, what was it, the the safety craft? I don't even know what that thing would actually yeah, be called. Lifeboat thing. Yeah, kind yeah. of a lifeboat situation. Had water, food. Like, she was smart enough to go somewhere where she'd be safe in case of anything. And boom, that was, you know, good. Uh, I have to say, Abigail at first, I had to really agree with how she handled a lot. Like, in the first in the first day, I was like, brilliant brilliant like you have to immediately disregard class you have to disregard station because i'm sorry on this island we are all equals i don't give a fuck who you are back home i don't care who you were on the yacht and i love that she calls that out she's like you were manager on on the yacht and she looks out and she's like where's the yacht and i fucking die bro oh my god i laughed so hard and she starts parsing out the food and mind you, there's, there was, what, like, six other people besides her? So it's, like, one for you, one for me, one for you. So she ends up with half of the octopus, and the other six people, I think five people, have to share what's left. Mm. And Paula starts calling her out. Well, that's not fair. Like, we, we all did work. She's like, what work did you guys do? He's like, we, we collected wood for the fires. Yeah, but you didn't know how to build it. <laughs> I still had to go fish. I had to build the actual fire. And it's, oh, well, we moved this log over here so that everybody could sit down. Dude, then on top of that, <laughs> the other thing that killed me, and I don't know if this was intentionally left out or anything, but Therese, Therese which is the, the woman that couldn't speak uh, because she had a stroke, was just left in that lifeboat 
for I don't know how many days they were on that <laughs> island. But in, in my head, I'm thinking to myself, I'm like, this woman must have soiled herself so many times over because it's never brought to attention that anyone besides her husband took care of her and like they barely know how to take care of themselves how are they taking care of this woman we don't know if abigail or paula were helping her at all so i have to assume that she's been sitting in that boat just like stuck because she can't walk and unfortunately she also doesn't know asl american sign language so she's like motioning at people and i'm like how do you not have the wherewithal if you have a stroke and can't speak to start learning ASL. Like Damn, Craig really calling out stroke victims. Like, no, damn, I'm just dog. saying, regardless of whether damn, she was gonna a come woman. back damn, to normal dude. or not, I'm just saying Jeez. at that station, she didn't worry about learning ASL because her husband was taking care of her. They had the money to where she always had somebody there to take care of her. And now she's stuck here and can't even signal to the person that comes up to sell her Gucci or Louis Vuitton knockoff bags on a beach, which I'm, I had to say was probably one of the realest shits I've ever fucking seen. If you've ever been to a resort out in any yep. of those areas, there yep. are motherfuckers traveling up and down the beach trying to peddle you shit all fucking day. And I died when I saw that scene. But she's trying to signal to him, like, it, it, oh, the look in her face really broke me. I felt horrible watching her realize that this man is not understanding the situation that she's in like he's looking at her trying to sell something she's grabbing on pulling onto him and just like gesturing to herself and to everything around her and he's not getting it like at all and i just oh my heart broke for her it really did and i had to think about it several ways over which is like i don't know that this woman's been taken care of at all uh, they straight up abandoned her in the middle of the night when they started hearing animal sounds, <laughs> and they all ran. They left her behind, and she was there all night by herself. I assumed she was going to be dead the next day. <laughs> Surprisingly, she made it. Uh, but anyway, getting away from that, coming back to Abigail and, and the the power that she now had. And CJ or, uh, or Joe, one of you said it in a way that made sense. Where she went from bottom of the yacht to top of the island. Uh, and that's a, a, just a beautiful way to say that because that's exactly what happened. She shows up. She immediately starts putting away food for herself when she realizes that she's being forced to give away everything that she showed up with to everyone else. Which, sure, is a kind thing to do. Kindness, I think, is something that should definitely be considered in this case. But we're also all equals here. If you're immediately going to start demanding me around, like, I still work for you when that ship has sunk at this point. I'm not even sailed. It is sunk. It's gone. Uh, so we need to restructure how this is all going to work. Um, I have to respect Abigail for how she handled that entire situation. But what started to kill me was the abuse of power that started to creep up, right? And so it's one of those things where I started thinking to myself, everybody wants to be equal, but we're always going to be grasping at those little things that will make us not better, Grasping those little things that give us a bit more power over someone else or give us power over a group of people or make us stand out in a way that we're different from everybody else. So, you know, everybody wants things to be equal, but at the end of the day, we all stand out in our own ways, own abilities and whatnot, and those are things that are going to push us further ahead or further behind others. And we kind of lean in on those things. And she leaned in on her ability from her survivalist things and took control. Absolutely. Uh, but then started to abuse that when it came to Carl. And we saw that whole switch in Carl and Yaya's relationship where she was getting upset that Carl basically became a trophy boyfriend to mm -hmm. Abigail, which I 
laughed so hard. I was like, you're upset about this, but this is some this is what you wanted. So we mm. come back to the switching of gender roles where now he's coveted and you're not and you're upset. But he's doing it while still keeping you in mind to bring you back pretzels. So can you really be that mad? Dude, that that whole scene made me laugh so hard. Uh I did not expect Carl to actually start having feelings for Abigail. That kind of caught me off guard. And then I realized, like, he has a thing with chasing women with power. Uh, power at the beginning of the film being the money that Yaya has, right? Expecting she's a woman in the industry. She makes three times more than he does. You know, we, we should be equals in the relationship, but I respect you as the more powerful person in this relationship. And then at the end, Abigail absolutely has power, which is what he's drawn toward and continues to fall into that. There's <laughs> so much in part three. The the <laughs> it was just an interesting and like for me it pulled me in further into the film. CJ, where I see it, it pushed you out. I get it. Uh, it pulled me in entirely because it was just like the psychology that is just existing in this space where we're watching all these different dynamics take place is just insane. Uh, watching, I think his name was Jorno, the rich uh, tech company guy. I forget his name. Uh, kill the donkey with the rock was just oh. that part's funny because so talking about like gender roles and whatnot yeah you know the, the men are the hunters or, what, or, or whatever oh bullshit you want to yeah. describe to <laughs> and so I think it's funny one that's the, the horrifying noise that they hear when they're like first on the island and everyone's first reaction is to totally panic and just waste all their flares for, <laughs> like, no reason. Uh, Don't use the flares! Another example of how out of touch these people are. Um, that, that part was funny. Uh, but so finally, they obviously, they figure out it's, it ends up being this donkey, and, and these dudes are like, we're, we've been hunting it, we're, we're, we're gonna get it. And, like, the tech guy, he goes for it, and he, like, hits it with the rock and they're all like yeah yeah and they're like all celebrating and they're just like it's it's not dead the women are like oh it's it's still alive god and then he has to go back and finish it and then he's just like he's fucking crying he's having to get consoled and, and then we it. cut to like they're all like there at camp and stuff later and they're like celebrating they got a bottle of champagne and stuff and i just think that's so funny that like I, I guess that that comment there on that that gender stereotype of like the men being the the hunter provider or whatever and like they they think they can do it and they like totally whiff it and they they botch her they they they, they botch the whole operation they get it done eventually but they still act like they were like super heroic and oh, like yeah. did their like their yeah. deed and whatnot um <laughs> When the dude was just like, mate, oh, mate, man. aim for the temple. Aim for the temple. Dude, yeah. I died. I was just like, oh, my God. I was like, what is happening? Like, where are you hitting this thing that it's still braying after, like, five hits? Like, what are you doing? He's like, temple. Temple. Like, oh, my God. Oh, fuck. Yeah. I. Oh, man. It, it, that part was funny. Um, it, I also think it's funny, Craig. You keep, you, you keep mentioning this part thing about... Um, equality and like people being equal yes and one of the things that like flashes in part one during the runway 
show like in the background uh it's just like a variety of quotes of like random shit it's like yeah one's like cynicism described or masked as optimism yes uh but one of them is um it 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 says everyone's equal or something like that and like clearly they're not especially we had just gotten done talking about how like men make less money and Mm -hmm. then we're immediately going into um you know the the whole dinner uh argument and whatnot um and I, I just think that's funny that that very much is a a thread that carries through all the way throughout the film. Yeah. Um, also, you mentioned um, I'm I don't remember any of these fucking people's names besides Carl and Yaya. I've got the um, thing up here, and so I'm just like reading them as I'm talking about them. Nice, that's really. It, yeah. um, pro move. Didn't think about that. Um, <laughs> the the lady who has a stroke. Um, her and the guy they the accused of being a pirate or whatever they they end up forming some sort of communication like they understand each other by the end um just throwing that out there she's not she's not totally useless craig well no i'm not saying it's not that she's useless what i'm saying is (laughs) she i'm actually very curious how that whole bond happened because yeah they do start to form some sort of of bond and are able to understand each other right and i don't think it's that Therese is completely incapable of speech. I think she's able to get out muffled words, and in some cases she can get out, you know, sounds and whatnot that would lead to certain ideas, thoughts, and whatnot, like gesturing as best she can. Um, and and the accused pirate, who, whose name I don't currently have up, uh, <laughs> is able to understand her like i'm not surprised she's able to find somebody to understand it but when it came down to her really needing to express her need for help and get everyone saved it she she fell flat entirely um just not able to do anything for herself because she doesn't know how to take care of herself and i i understand this is not an attack to anyone out there that's had a stroke and has had this, has I been become disabled right because of it i Walking understand i know i am i i absolutely know i am Always what I'm are. saying is, what I'm saying is, in this case, in Therese's case, I both felt for her entirely because it was a terrible situation. But for me, it was also one of those things where it's like, like I wish you would have the foresight to figure something out, and you know what I mean. So you're not completely, you're not completely left up to the care of someone else, like her husband took care of a lot of things for her, which is great you know but then someone would There's have to know there. how we're getting so off fucking yeah, topic here. yeah we are. then someone would have to know how there would have to be someone else on the island that could read asl i mean yeah that that's the other Do issue you know there, ASL? Too, but we don't know that anyone on there couldn't no i it would actually be very interesting for me to learn asl and trust me i've thought about it uh, I do not know how that would translate. Like, would I technically have an accent, or like, oh am I my. missing every other letter or every other word? I, I wonder. I wonder if you technically can't learn ASL, Craig. I have wanted to look into this, and actually, you know, what? maybe this episode will push me now into actually figuring out if that is a possibility or not, because I'm very curious. Oh boy! All right, yep. I'm gonna rein this back in a little bit. Yep. Um, <laughs> yep. 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 Because that just happened. Uh, so. Craig, you already talked about the the gender flip there with Carl. I won't I won't rehash that. But uh, so the the very end of the film, uh, I think, is another thing we need to touch on. And then I do have a couple of very small questions. So obviously, Abigail 
and Yaya at the very end they go set off to see what's on the other side of the island um other side of the mountain or whatever and that's when we find out that there's a resort here and they're technically all saved which of course is not a good situation for Abigail and you know Yaya's like you can come be my my assistant like I'll take care of you all this stuff and like cool that that's you know a great whatever offer but that still puts Abigail in a position where she is back to being subservient and is back at the mercy of someone who is wealthy and obviously Abigail uh takes her out uh just like that donkey presumably rocked to the head we end up seeing Carl running towards them uh presumably and I guess Craig, you mentioned he ends up sort of having feelings for Abigail. And I guess it, my, my question is, he's running clearly to save someone. Who is he going to save? Do you think he's going to try to save Abigail or Yaya? So I think that is probably, uh, it's the reason I enjoy the ending. Um, to CJ's point, this story has been told over in a lot of different mm-hmm. ways. Uh, what I did enjoy about this one is that we kind of come at it from a completely different angle where the person that had power discovers the resort along with someone that they've had tension with, uh, which I thought was interesting. Um, I I mean, I love the idea that we don't know for certain whether Abigail bashed Yaya's head in or not. Like, it's really left up in the air the way it cuts out. Uh, in that whole scene was interesting but yeah when it comes to carl just like sprinting through the woods to try to catch up to them it's really tough to figure out because we don't know right he, he's one guy stuck between these two women uh abigail is in a place or we i think earlier that day we started with uh abigail pushing Carl not so much pushing but them having the conversation like okay do we be more open about this relationship because right now everybody's kind of just you know, assuming they know what's going on, and technically they're not wrong, but we haven't exactly confirmed it, so, like, are we going to start confirming this? And, like, what does that mean for Carl and Yaya? Like, do you want me to break up with her? Uh, you know, I can have a conversation with her, and, and we'll be adults about this. And I thought that was hysterical. Uh, because, <laughs> yeah. yeah, he's legit just like, look, I will throw away the woman that I was, you know, here for, the woman that I was going to propose to a few days ago to be with you because you now have that power and clearly he's attracted to the power like it's wild but him sprinting at the end of it was just i think he had the realization that like one of these women wasn't returning from this hike and Mm -hmm. who he's off to go save is really tough um i have to say at that point given the way the conversations were going uh i I mean it's tough to say but i honestly feel like he would have been on the defense for abigail like Legit. I don't know that Abigail would have been able, or I don't know that Yaya would have been able to take Abigail entirely. Uh, <laughs> like, if I'm being completely honest, I really don't think yeah, Yaya would fair. have stood a chance against Abigail. But regardless, I think he would have been sprinting, uh, just given on the context, to save Abigail from any danger that she might have been from Yaya. Uh, which is wild, because I have to wonder what would have happened if he got there and Abigail had decided to bash uh, Yaya's brains in and just like let her be or if they'd gotten there and he discovered 
the resort elevator along with them, would he then lose all of his feeling for Abigail because she no longer has power, in which case he becomes, mm-hmm. you know, back in love. He, he falls back in love with Yaya and, and the power that she still has out in the real world. It's it's a whole... It's, it's, there's a lot of thoughts, a lot of questions there. Um, the ending definitely is left so open-ended. There's a lot of things that... Uh, could happen, didn't happen. There's a lot of thoughts that aren't exactly confirmed or whatnot. Because Abigail is like crying, uh, like ugly crying, before she bashes Yaya's head in. And we have to wonder: is she upset that she's doing this, or is she upset because she's fighting herself on wanting to do this? But like, what's going through your head at that point? You just had power over several people on the opposite side of this island, and and you fought for that power, and you've maintained it, and you have respect where you didn't before, and now that's all about to be gone. But are we thinking, like, short end here? Because what's going to happen? She bashes in Yayo's head, goes back to the other side of the island. They maybe survive for, what, maybe another month before they start dying of heat stroke and or someone else discovers the elevator? What is she going to do, murder them off one by one until it's just her and <laughs> Carl? And, like, he never goes to the side of the island? I Like, it's wild. Uh, so I'm very curious as to what what they would have wanted to happen versus what many people probably think happened. Yeah, Carl definitely going for Abigail. Do you, any of you think that he's more running up to tell both of them that they're on a resort island because of the guy that's selling the stuff? If someone else maybe managed to find that guy, that is a point I did not think of. Uh, good point, CJ. Because that's the way I took it. I, that was my thought process was that he was running up there to tell them both, like, hey, guys, like, we just found this uh, poaching, selling knockoff bags, nigga. Like, we are saved. I didn't look at it as, like, he was going up there to save one of them. I think he was going up there to tell them what had transpired down there because of the lady that had the stroke. I think that last scream got someone else's attention to come over there. Hmm. Interesting. That's but would he have been running so aggressively? Like, I mean, he's taking like to find out that child nigga's not going down that island. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, I would be like, hey guys, like now I can have both of y'all. Yeah, I guess that makes sense. I don't know why in the back of my mind I'm thinking like, no, just have a leisurely stroll. You'll catch up to them on the hike eventually. No, bro, no, we're saved. We need to go. No, we <laughs> saved, bro. I'm, yeah, I'm, book, I'm hitting a full two flat, <laughs> homie. I'm gone <laughs> up a hill, no shoes, dog. <laughs> straight up yeah fair enough I, yeah i don't i don't have an answer i, I very much think it, it really it doesn't technically matter kind of like the ending discussion we were having about the thing uh a couple weeks ago where like the the ending that's presented is is more about like you know the questions that it brings and less about like what a clear-cut answer is you mentioned uh the elevator and I don't know if this is anything. I haven't totally formed a real opinion here. Um, but I'm curious to see if you guys have any or if you even noticed. Obviously, in part one, Carl and Yaya have a huge fight. And the elevator is very much a part of that. Um, it, like, keeps closing on Carl and stuff. Like, it's a very obvious piece of the scene. And I think it's weird how, like obvious and present that was and then at the end how obvious and present the elevator is in the reveal of the resort do you think there's anything there or am i just like bugging i think it might be one of those like the 
film starts with an elevator and then it ends with it as well. Hmm. So if I'm really, I mean, at this point, this is, <laughs> if I'm stretching and thinking about this, right, the elevator in the first scene, uh, the first time we see it between in the fight, uh, Carl and Yaya are having, it continues to close on their argument. Uh, where one of them has to, like, repress the button to get it to open back up. And Yaya's inside at one point and doesn't hit a button at all. Like, Carl's on the opposite mm-hmm. side banging on the door before it opens up again. Uh, and they continue the argument. Um, and then they end up separating at that point because she goes off to handle her own whatever. And he goes to his room and fiddles with a bunch of light switches. Um, <laughs> but in that end scene, we see it there closed. And then it just opens and just remains open for quite some time. Yeah, I definitely think there's something there. Um, I'd be very curious as to how complex that was supposed to be versus how simple it actually could be, because it could just be like, mm-hmm. you know, Carl and Yaya, as signified by the elevator, probably should have just called it quits right then and there and just ended it. Whereas the elevator opening at the end is just like, okay, like we're we're moving on. This is time to, this is the end. Let's go. Like that's it. Uh, but. I feel like there could be something there, um, but I also feel like I could be pulling teeth and trying to really symbolize something there. I think it's subjective. I think there's maybe something there, maybe not. So, yeah. Again, I don't. I don't. I haven't decided yet. Um, I don't even know what all (laughs) it would be. Um, It just. It just was so strange for it to be an elevator at the end to Mm. me. in like a rock face almost like it's just a weird way to reveal that like there is a resort or something here yeah crazy um, so i was just curious it's a lot of money yeah <laughs> um and then my other i guess kind of not necessarily throwaway question do you think the dude was actually a pirate because at the very end him and the russian guy are talking and the russian guy like asks him one more time about like you know how much stuff would cost and if like he can buy his own boat and shit, and like the the guy is like kind of entertaining the conversation. Oh, he has, yeah, he's got the inf- like he's got some information there, uh, which I thought was interesting. Um, uh, he, I think it would be funny if one of the pirates that ended up on the ship got left behind or something, because I mean at that point you're not worried about if all your crew makes it out. Like mm-hmm. you're collecting what you can. And you're taken off. If someone didn't make it back on the boat, they're lost. They're going down to the ship, and they're left with the survivors. That's more money and more of a cut for the rest of us. Like, that's it. Uh, It's possible. Um, If we ever get that confirmed or not, I'd be very interested to find out. But uh, I did think that 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 conversation was a little telling in the sense of, like, why do you have – why do you know so much about that? Like, Mm -hmm. you're supposed to be this person who was below deck entirely and worked in the engine room. Uh, and that's why no one ever saw you. No. So great cover. But He's a pirate, bro. Yeah. No one, not one damn near black person on that damn yacht. And then they got <laughs> midway through film and it was like, probably had a pirate to the, the island. How but then wouldn't you think that be left behind? Paula would have been able to confirm his position or not? Like, I feel like she would know everyone on the ship. I think at that point, like... The only person that cared about that was the the Russian guy. Like, I think everybody was like, I got better shit to worry about than you caring about you being a racist right now. Like, we are on a fucking island. We are stranded. So, 
it, it, it easily he could easily have slipped through the cracks, but nah, bro. Like if you if you look at some of those scenes of some of the ones like of her, of the people that are shot from downstairs and stuff, you're like nah, like that that nigga a pirate. So, but yes. so then the other question that I have for you, CJ, is if he is a pirate, wouldn't they have knowledge of the surrounding lands they're on, and then like wouldn't he have known about the resort on that island? Not necessarily. Like, I, like, I mean, there's obviously I can be an asshole and poke, throw, like, poke holes. Like, oh, it's his first day on the job. He ends up getting left behind. <laughs> like, he's so and so's cousin because they needed an extra. He doesn't know what the fuck he's doing, and then ended up being left. Like, there's different ways. Like, there's there's ways to poke holes in this. I'm just saying, like, I feel like if, we, if like, real, like, what actually happened? Ship blows up, sinks, and everything. He he just so happens. To, to to cling on to people that actually ended up surviving. So it's one of those, like, one in a million type things that happen. And that doesn't necessarily, just because I'm a pirate of the sea, know that every other thing that's going on or every island that we end up on. Because regardless, if, if you've never been to that particular, even though I've seen the front of that resort, I don't know what the back of the resort looks like. So if I'm ended up there, I don't know. I, I think I'm on some random fucking island. So... Yeah. Just my thought. So. Yeah, I don't, I don't, I don't know either. Uh, <laughs> you make a good point about. Um, would you say your name was Paula? Uh, yeah, Paula. Paula, like in theory, yeah, she should maybe know, but I guess also she probably isn't in charge of anyone in the engine room. That's probably its own department. I think the idea of him actually being a pirate makes the whole situation way funnier. Yeah. But, yeah, I, I don't know. I couldn't tell you. So, uh, I said at the top, obviously, we're, we're, we're discussing this because it's up for, for nominations for the Oscars. Again, best picture, best director, best original screenplay. I know we haven't watched everything that's been nominated yet. Um, we've got you know a few more on deck for, for this podcast but just, I guess, general impressions, first thoughts, you know, you don't have to tell me if you think it would win any of these. Do you think it's at least, like, deserving of, of any of these awards? Um, you know, kind of kind of thoughts on, on it being in, in the game here. I mean, it won the, the highest thing at, uh, how is it pronounced? Dude, I don't fucking know. Okay. Con? 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 <laughs> like that. Um, I'm not French at all. It, it it won the highest thing there, so it that that alone is letting you know that it's a, a big Voila. deal, a big deal to people. So, um, I think it'll probably is it uh original screenplay or adapted? Original. Original. I think if if it's going to win something, it's probably going to win something off the screenplay. I don't think it. I don't think it's good enough to win best picture. Um. But I'd, I'd give it a uh, screenplay. I can agree with screenplay. Um, I, I have to say this was something uh, I hadn't seen anything for, anything, any information about. Like, I looked at the trailer as soon as you had let us know that it was your pick, Joe. Um, and honestly, it, it's, it's not what I expected. Uh, it was a good ride. Um, so I think it, it, as nominated, I think it definitely has a place where it has been nominated it, it makes sense um but i think if that's all it gets i'd be okay with that 
Yeah, I yeah, I'll agree with that sentiment. I um, I don't I don't see it being necessarily best picture. Just kind of knowing what else is up for it. I don't remember who all's up for best director. I'll be honest. So I don't know. Maybe um, it could swing that. Mm. I understand the nomination for screenplay. I do think it is well written um, and like conceptually, I think it, it works. But I, I definitely think there's probably some some stronger contenders um, that we'll be reviewing here in our, our next couple episodes um, that I would put up uh, for screenplay over this. Um, I was more saying that from the, not to cut you, but the perspective of like they want to give it something. Like not yeah. that I think that it's like the best written thing, but like we all know that there are films that they're like, well, we have to at least give it something. Like It, ha- it has to mm-hmm. win something. So. Yeah, if they have to give it something for the sake of giving it something, because that something as original as this, or as original it can be anyway, uh, to be recognized, and you know, you want to kind of push the things out in the forefront so that they get more attention, so that more of this gets made. Sure, uh, I'll agree with that. But eh. we shall see in a in a few weeks yes, uh, we how it fares. That's kind of all I've got. This is wow. This episode's getting long yeah. beefy i think it's our longest one yeah <laughs> anything anything you guys want to throw in here before we wrap up nope oh uh because this was said several times at the beginning of this episode i just have to clarify this uh take it as a spoiler or don't hopefully by the time you're you're listening to this episode you've seen it uh if you did watch this film for woody harrelson um he's in it oh, for yeah. all of what 20 minutes yeah yeah he's uh, hardly in it man yeah so <laughs> so you think you're getting a lot of them uh you're not you're absolutely not and i don't you, know if that was you get quality use though star power it's quality, but, yeah. <laughs> uh, quality 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 harrelson maybe not quantity yeah. yes there you go. agreed absolutely um yeah fair enough fair point um all right well good good conversation there's plenty more i think we probably could have dove into um i mean overall the the film has a lot to say but i i do think it's all fairly obvious and everything it's trying to say i don't think there's anything super like in depth that has to be you know like super unpacked i I think it it says what it it needs to say and fairly obviously and that's okay uh and i think it works because of that um but yeah good stuff glad glad i watched it um, excited to see how it fares uh, come award time. But uh, but until then, next week we have CJ's pick, Banshees of Inishirin. Give it a watch. Come back. Here's talk about it. Let us know uh, what you guys thought about Triangle of Sadness. If you if you think it's deserving of its Oscar noms. If you think it was absolute highbrow trash that you are tired of (laughs) all this commentary on whatever man if you're just totally over it and whatnot um if you uh are also you hate the oscars let us know um those are always fun conversations to have Uh, you can hit us up on any of our socials at hot boy film club or shoot us an email at hot boy film club at gmail we love talking to you guys um but until next week Stay safe, be good, and uh, talk to you guys soon. See ya. See ya.